0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Bridget McGowan here. And today I have with me Vladimir Adonis. Vladimir, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Bridget, for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it.
0: You say that now, but you you haven't heard my questions yet. We'll (laughs) see if you still appreciate me by the end of the episode. My first question for you, because I know you've done a number of things in your professional life, and I'm wondering, when it comes to getting on the microphone, have you always been confident?
1: I haven't always been confident with getting on the microphone. And getting on the microphone was something that was a requirement for me from a career standpoint. And it allowed me to hone in and to get a little bit more comfortable. I remember getting a position as a director of financial aid for a university about seven or eight years ago. And when I got that position, one of the things that I learned, I didn't learn that through the interview process, one of the things that I learned is that on a monthly basis, I had to give, at minimum, two two presentations to a group of audience. And when I learned that, I was not a happy camper. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to hone in and how am I going to get better at this skill? Uh, My first few presentations, they, they were very humbling experiences. I just put it that way. They were not what I would be very proud of. But as with anything... Over time, I got a little bit more comfortable, and over time, I was a little bit more confident as it relates to getting on the mic.
0: What would you say led to that confidence improving
1: over time? That confidence improving over time, it started off with my peers. So I, I ran the department, and because I ran the department, I was required to give a presentation And then I had a couple of other peers that ran the department as well. And biweekly, we had to go and give presentations. And to be quite honest with you, uh, I was teased and I was picked at. So because I was teased and it was in a very joking, very HR friendly way, you know, per (laughs) se. And it was it was designed to be to, to make a it was designed for healthy competition. So because it was designed that way and because, you know, my peers were watching me on a very consistent basis and I knew that they could go back to the office and joke on, and, and you know, make jokes, et cetera, I had to, you know, quote unquote, step my game up and became, and, and that allowed me to become just that much more better at public speaking.
0: So I like that competition aspect to it. I like that we're even going to call it maybe peer pressure aspect to it almost. For some people, it doesn't work. I know for me, it doesn't work. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. You can like it, love it, or leave it. <laughs> but for some people, that that healthy competition, if you will, that healthy nudging from others can really make a difference. So you indicated that, Maybe around 2014 or so, you were in this college executive role, but you decided to make a true impact that, in order to make this true impact, I should say, that you had to go into entrepreneurship. So this was maybe around 2017 or so, where you said, okay, the college life has been cool and working with students has been fantastic. And then you decided that you were going to shift into this different life and you paid a programmer. Remember you telling me about this in another conversation, a lot, a lot of money. Okay, people like five figures here, close to $30,000 to custom build this dating and dancing website. And this was so as to give you the ability to leave your career and go into entrepreneurship. But then after launching that site and having some challenges with getting members to join and so on, you looked at lead generation, And then fast track, you ended up learning that there was a copyright law violation in place and you had to shut down the entire site. So based on that experience, changing careers, putting out all of that money and then finding yourself having to shut that down and start all over Talk to me about how that plays into your presentations now. The shifting, the changing, the uh, unfortunate circumstance, and then bouncing back. How, how does that ebb and flow and up and down and peaks and valleys, how do those play into your presentations, you think?
1: Certainly. So it certainly does play into my presentation. So the first product or the first business that I had was a dating slash a dancing type of a website. And for that type of a website... I didn't necessarily need to go around to do any type of presentations because that was not a necessity. But because of legal ramifications, I lost the site and I no longer had access to it. So my pivot was I wanted to take what I had learned at the time, my knowledge and my expertise around lead generation around marketing. And I wanted to start to share that information with other entrepreneurs for the sole purpose of helping those individuals out. And I wanted to validate my concept the other thing I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to see if I can go ahead and take that and turn that into a, a business. So I hosted close to 60 workshops, and these workshops were presentations. They were presentation in an area that I had just started learning, to be honest with you, because my prior, my prior life was I was an executive executive director of financial aid. Then I went into entrepreneurship. I launched a dating site. And in the process of launching a dating site and trying to make that dating site grow, I learned at that time, it was a little bit about marketing, a little bit about lead generation. And now all of a sudden I had to pivot in order to, you know, make that transition. And the way that I did that is to consistently share what it is that I knew with other individuals for the sole purpose of trying to validate it. So it was 60 workshops later. And these workshops obviously allowed me to get just that much more comfortable with my knowledge and my expertise. And it just allowed me to share what it is that I know and allow individuals to kind of just make what I call micro commitment and bigger commitments with me. So that's how, you know, presentation played a role in me making that transition from owning a dating site to all of a sudden using my my skills, using presentation as a way to communicate with my audience.
0: Now, 60 Workshops. That's that's intense. That's a lot. Was that the initial plan where you said I'm doing 60 workshops or did it just evolve over time and you looked back and realize you had done that many workshops?
1: Yeah, it just evolved over time. Right. So, you know, eight months into me going into this, this, this uh, eight months into me learning how to do lead generation and marketing in order to kind of just make that pivot. I wanted to get as comfortable as possible. Right. I didn't know how many workshops I needed to do or how often I needed to speak or the consistency of it. But all I knew is that I knew 60 workshops later, I said to myself, you know what? I'm good enough at this skill. I know how to convey it properly. I've helped other individuals. So now it's time for me to go ahead and make that full-time transition. So it wasn't planned. It was just more so how comfortable can I get with this skill and how comfortable can I get with this this topic before I can say, you know what? It's time to go full-time.
0: When you think about workshop number one, in comparison to workshop number 60, what
1: is the biggest difference between the two? Well, first of all, workshop number one got canceled, right? <laughs> so workshop yes. number one. Workshop number one got canceled by me because I thought I was not ready to share my knowledge and my expertise around the topic that I had learned for about seven or eight months. And so you know what, seven or eight months is just not enough time for me to share with other individuals what it is that I knew. So I remember establishing the workshop. I remember doing all of the due diligence to be able to have the workshop. And about a week prior, I decided to cancel the workshop out of fear that I didn't know enough. And then a couple of months later, I was watching content. I was watching someone on YouTube do a presentation. And when that person was doing that presentation, I was like, wait a minute, this person is not really that polished. And there's definitely some gaps in this person's presentation. So that person motivated and inspired, and inspired me I said well, if this individual can do it, then there's no reason as to why I shouldn't be able to do it. So that motivated me and that made me go and go back and say, you know what I'm going to do my first presentation. I'm going to do my first workshop in this um, in this new skill. So I decided to do my first workshop. I only had three people that came to my first workshop. The good news is that all three of those individuals got a lot of um, you know a lot of benefits from coming to that workshop. they gave me reviews. And from there, it was, um, you know, it was history, as some may say.
0: You made me think about something that I share with girlfriends all the time who are thinking about stepping out, doing something. They're thinking about trying something new. They're thinking about switching things up. And they have this fear. They have this hesitation. When you said you were watching some people on YouTube and you saw this one particular person and you said, my goodness, this person doesn't even have his or her act all the way together but is on YouTube making a presentation. I know I can do this. There were gaps. I know I can do this. I I can probably do even better than this. I want listeners to think about this. And this is what I tell the girlfriends and guy friends too, but it's mostly girlfriends who come to me and I have to tell them this. Know this. There are people out there doing what you want to do, doing what you're thinking about doing and they're doing a mediocre job at it and do not plan on improving, you are going to blow it out of the water. So if you have folks out there who are not even putting all of their heart, not even putting all of their soul, not even putting all of their passion into it, doing what you aspire to do, the least you can do is give it a go. Because I guarantee you, you are going to shine, but it cannot happen if you sit there and you think about what if, well, maybe, well, it's already been done. Well, it's already been said. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not been said like you would say it. It's not been done the way you would do it. So you reminded me of that talking about that person that you saw on YouTube. So-
1: yeah, you know, certainly it's 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 the fear and it's the, you know, hey, what will people say? How will I be judged? And it's all of those things that goes on in our mind that kind of just keeps us from taking that next step and sometimes keeping us from, you know, becoming just that much better at our craft.
0: How do you get past that fear, that nervousness of being judged, of being or having the spotlight on you?
1: The way that I get over it is that people are going to, you know, talk anyway, um, you know, per se. So if I, if I'm the guy that sitting when I think about, when it was time for me to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to leave a six-figure career to go into entrepreneurship, there were some individuals that said, you know what, this guy's foolish. He's living. A, he's leaving a very secure job to go and do something that's kind of unknown, you know, per se, right? So that's one group of individuals that said, you know what, this individual, he, you know, he's not, that's not a good move. There's another group of individuals that would have said, you know what, he's just kind of just talking the talk. So if I was the individual that kind of just sat around and said, you know what, one day I'm going to launch a business and I just kept talking about that around the family table, et cetera. You were going to have a new group of individuals that was going to say, this person's just talking. Right. So either way, right? If if you decide to take action and do the thing, there's going to be some people that's going to judge and it's going to have something to say. And if you don't do the thing, people are going to say say something on this wall. So you may as well take action and make it happen.
0: Mm, take action and make it happen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Now, you're going to get a chance to ask me a question in a little bit. So prepare for that.
1: Certainly, certainly.
0: <laughs> prepare for that. I want to ask you, what is the number one topic? I know you speak on marketing. You coach uh, people on you know, stellar marketing practices. What is, let's say, the number one question you are often asked that you answer in your presentations?
1: Yo, certainly. So one of the number one things I'm usually asked is I'm usually asked around how to generate more leads and how to grow an audience. And the way that I generate, the the way that I answer that in my presentations is I answer that by a four-step micro-commitment strategy that I usually speak on. And it's how to get people to say yes. The individuals who desire to do business with you, they may not necessarily say yes to, the um, the end product right away. But there's small yeses that they can say along the way leading to a bigger yes. So I have a four-step micro commitment strategy that I walk individuals through and that I present on. And when I do that type of a presentation, it's, it allows individuals to get a better understanding as to how they can get more yeses, as to how they can grow an audience, and as to how they can go ahead and generate more leads.
0: Okay, so you you've intrigued us With this four-step strategy, can you tell us a little bit about one of the
1: steps? Yeah, sure. Let me just tell you one of the steps, and just at a high level. So one of the first steps is leading with free information and with free guides. And essentially, the reason why I embraced that is that when I first started to promote and market my dating site, I was trying to promote and market it on Facebook, and Facebook told me no at the time because I was promoting and marketing a dating site, and they did not accept that back in 2015, 2016. So I had to go and create a guide and or resource around the type of individuals that I wanted to attract to me. And when I created that free guide and I created that free resource, Facebook then told me yes and I was able to acquire leads at a much cheaper price. So that's the first step is to create free guide and create free resources because people will definitely say yes to that. Which leads me to the question that I wanted to ask you around you know misconceptions because I know that people always have misconceptions like if I am not familiar with the topic or within if, if I'm not comfortable with a certain area of expertise I always have certain misconception I know that you speak on publishing and you speak on book publishing what would you say some of those misconceptions are that an individual have that you say what well, I wish people didn't have this misconception around this topic because here is how they can you know overcome or here's how they can um, you know, navigate through whatever that misconception may be.
0: That's a good one because I don't know if listeners also know that about me. They know me for being a speaker, and I tend to speak on effective communication skills and effective presentation strategies. but I don't think they know about the publishing piece, so thanks for throwing that out there, Vladimir. So one of the biggest misconceptions or probably one of the questions that I have to answer most often is should you pay to get published and the answer is it depends because there are three pretty much three different types of publishing companies for the most part so they are the traditional publishing companies and those are the ones that we're accustomed to seeing in our big box stores And those are the ones that tend to publish your celebrities and your big names and the people who have large followings. And those publishing companies don't require any upfront investment from the authors because they believe that there is a market for that person's content just by the fact that this is the person who's wanting to put a book out. If Oprah strolls up to a publishing company and says, right, and says, hey, I want to publish a book. Oh, there's no question. Let's do this. Now, there's also what's called self-publishing or, a, yeah, it's the self-publishing route. And with the self-publishing route, you will have some publishing companies that uh, work on that model where you pay them a fee and then they take care of everything for you. Those are also called hybrid publishing companies, depending on exactly how the royalties look and how much of a role that you play in participating in the final product of your book so with self-publishing where you just do it yourself you're the one who finds all of the editors and the graphic designers and the typesetters you do everything so that's self-publishing but then self-publishing with a vanity press or hybrid publishing company or an independent publishing company, all of those kind of fall in the same area, which is our third type of publishing. It's kind of like self-publishing, but it's not because you're paying a publishing company to do everything that you would have to do on your own. And with having to pay to get published, some people kind of look at it, you know, kind of turn their nose up at it a little bit. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you do not fall into one of those categories, the celebrity, the big name, the huge following, if you don't fall into one of those categories, the likelihood of getting picked up by a traditional publishing company can be pretty low. And it can be a very long process. There's so many proposals that come across agents' desks, and they are pretty selective. And so it's a very low percentage of people who get published who aren't already at a celebrity status. But then when it comes to self-publishing, you're guaranteed to get published because you're doing it yourself. And then if you go with a hybrid publishing company or an independent publishing company or a vanity press, if you will, then you're also guaranteed to get published because those companies like mine believe in your content as much as you believe in it. If you believe it's something that has to get out to the world, then we believe it is content that needs to get out to the world. And so we do all of the work for you. That's a fantastic question. So yeah, I'm often asked, asked should you pay for publishing and it just depends it depends on what your goal is and it depends on the money that you have your finances and how much time you want to devote to this and so i could go on down the list and you know, if anybody's interested i could certainly point you to our blog that discusses all of these areas in far more depth and help you understand which one you should select so yeah thanks for that question
1: No problem. And certainly when I think about just one piece of the one with the independent company to help you, I think about just checks and balances, right? And I think about overwhelm. So when you say, hey, individuals going to go and try to do it themselves, there's just so many different things that could go wrong and so many different things that an individual doesn't know. So if I can have someone that kind of just holds my hand throughout the process and ensures that from a checks and balance standpoint, everything is done, to me, that sounds ideal.
0: (laughs) Right. It just it depends on the person. Right. If you're if you say to yourself, I could go the self-publishing route where I essentially become a publishing expert. And I figure all of this out myself. If you want to do that, then absolutely. But if you want to be free to do what you love to do and if your thing is accounting, if your thing is marketing, if your thing is medicine and you want to be free to do that then you just hand it off to an independent publishing company to take care of it for you. But it really depends on dollars and cents and just how much time and interest and commitment you have to this process uh, versus just handing it over to somebody.
1: Got it, makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me anything about publishing. Now, tell me about a time When you had the most dynamic presentation ever, what happened? Like this is a presentation you just cannot forget about. And if you could just copy paste and do it over and over and over again, and maybe you do, you would, what presentation was that? And what made it so memorable, one that you just cannot let go of?
1: Certainly. So I would say that presentation was a presentation that I had the honor to do at a graduation um, you know, ceremony. And the graduation had some individuals that had graduated from my former high school. And it had some individuals that were kind of like, were like me in the sense that some of those individuals had the majority, I would say at the time, had migrated from a different parents, had migrated from a different country, and they had came to this country and they went through the process of becoming um, you know becoming residents and not only did they become residents, they also became um, you know citizens, some of them, and they'd gone through the process and became um, you know became a college graduate. And I had the opportunity to, to share my journey um, you know as well with those individuals compared to their journey, there were just a lot of similarities right I had I migrated here from a different country when my mom came here to the states we grew up in a one bedroom apartment. And we had seven people living there. And I, bro- and I talked about the fact that I said to myself, I want to do better for my family. I worked hard, I went to school, graduated. So my story was just very similar to their story. And the, the type of applause that I got doing and the type of accolades that I got after the presentation itself, that is a presentation that sits with me still today. And I would say that's definitely something that, um, that I always, um, that will always stay with me.
0: As I listen to you throughout our conversation, the word credibility just keeps coming back to me, how it feels like everything that you do and every step that you take is in furtherance of establishing your credibility. Getting booked to speak at that graduation ceremony didn't just happen overnight. It didn't just land in your lap. It just wasn't by happenstance, but you had created for yourself credibility where people are talking about you in the kinds of terms you want them talking about you, even if you are not in the room. And oftentimes establishing credibility in a presentation kind of goes by the wayside. So I'm going to take a second or two and talk a little bit more about credibility. And then I'm going to ask you about how do you establish credibility before you get on the stage, while you're on the stage, or even after you've gotten off the stage. But I want to talk a little bit about establishing credibility. And this is actually in my book, Real Talk, but it just kept coming up, just kept coming up every single time you would tell us a story about something. So Time is a person's precious, most precious commodity, hands down. And busy professionals, they need to know how their time is going to be spent. And so one of the ways to make sure they know how their time is going to be spent and to establish your credibility is to make sure you're introducing yourself the right way. Because you may have people in your audience who have never heard of you before, may never see you again, but you want to leave that lasting impression and how you introduce yourself can make all the difference. Now, there are a couple of parts to moving your audience toward a reaction of, okay, this person has my attention. This person means business. This person is for real. Let me see what he or she is talking about. That's establishing credibility. And there are a couple of pieces to making that happen. But one of those pieces is how you establish your credibility and how you introduce yourself. And oftentimes people make the mistake of having people read these long bios or going up there and talking about themselves ad nauseum that's not it even if somebody delivers an introduction of you before handing you the microphone still introduce yourself in your own words and this is how you do it you throw out all of the usual stuff okay usually people start with my name is so-and-so and and I am an accountant no my name is so-and-so and what I do is So oftentimes when you hear me present, you'll hear me say, my name is Bridget McGowan, and I help professionals be the most engaging, dynamic, incredible communicators ever. That's how I introduce myself. In case you have no clue what it is, I do. And this makes you lean in. This establishes my credibility as somebody who is worth listening to. So going forward, everybody, when you make your presentations and you dive into the content, immediately get their attention, immediately draw them in, and then tell them your name and what it is you do, not a job title. That is one piece to establishing your credibility. If you want the other pieces, get the book, Real Talk. (laughs) So, Vladimir, what do you do either before presentation, during the presentation, or after to make sure that you're always establishing yourself as a credible professional?
1: So, Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you talk about what's in it for the end user, because the person that's listening to you, they are going through a certain, they're, they are in a circumstance, and they desire to have some type of a transformation. So, you know, the transformation gap is you and your product and or your service. So if you can describe what that individual could potentially be going through and describe it very well, then I think that earns credibility, you know? So if I'm speaking to a prospective individual that is leaving money on the table that has gaps that's not re- receiving consistent leads from a lead generation and a marketing standpoint, well I can talk about my story, I can talk about a time when, you know, I was going through that and how I was leaving so many different things on the table. So, so many different, you know, uh, processes on the table. And when I discuss that, I am speaking to their current reality, but I'm also painting a picture as to how I arrive to the new reality and how they can go ahead and follow me and join me in the new reality. So for me, it's, I think about their current reality. I think about their new reality and I talk about the process in the middle.
0: It reminds me of something I talk about called painting a picture of the stakes, identify where they are right now, Or at least where they were before they got to your presentation, where you're going to take them during the course of the presentation what you're going to teach them and how as a result of what you teach them show them inspire them to do next is the future where they will be if they put in place what you give them so paint a picture of the past. I know you're frustrated. I know you're having a hard time with this. I know you feel like you're all alone. Paint a picture of the present. But during the course of this session, we're going to do this, this, and this, and then paint a picture of the future. So by the time we're done, you're going to know how to put these three strategies in place to get past X. That is how you start a presentation. And then you say, my name is Bridget and I do X, Y, and Z. That's how you do it. Exactly what you just said paint those pictures of where they are now, where they want to be, and how you're going to get them there in that presentation. If you do that every single time you speak, just those three things, if you do that, you are a winner, hands down.
1: (laughs) Certainly. I certainly agree with you.
0: (laughs) What else does the audience need to know in order to make sure that they're always powerful when they make presentations, Vladimir?
1: So what the audience needs to know is the power of story. Like story is the only thing, is one of the things that can kind of just be a differentiating factor for individuals. One of the reasons why I was very comfortable with leaving my, um, my nine to five was I know that I had a very powerful story. And that is that there's not too many people that can say that, hey, I was once a college executive not only was I a college executive, I launched my own dating slash dancing type of a site, which had its own unique name. Um, I was not successful, but in the process, I learned some things. And through that process, I was able to pivot. I was able to do some presentations that allowed me to learn a completely different new skill set, new craft, and I was able to uh, turn that into a profitable business. So not too many people can not too many people have that story, right? I can't think of anyone else that has that exact same story. And I believe that stories are very powerful. And that's the thing that can connect you with your audience and it could definitely take you to the next step.
0: Nobody has your exact same story. I'm, I'm glad you said those precise words. Because yes, we may know of someone who used to work at a college or university and who now speaks. I'm one of those folks, but I don't have, (laughs) right, but I don't have all the other things with the dating slash dancing website and the copyright situation. So there may be people who do have stories similar to yours, or there are glimpses of commonalities between you, but nobody has the Vladimir Adonis story except you. Trust and believe. And the same thing goes for listeners. It, yes, there are going to be some things that overlap. There will be some items on your resume that look just like the next person's. But your full story and how you got where you are now, mm-mm, there is not a carbon copy of it out there. Trust me on that one. Vladimir, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Bridget, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share my story my insight with your audience
0: outstanding everybody thank you for tuning in until next time make sure you always own the microphone